Wednesday, the 31st of July, will mark the 2019 Major League Baseball trading deadline. And before we get into Freeform Friday, I just want to remind you that all the teams that think you have that snowball's chance in Phoenix of making a World Series run, remember this. There are a lot more disappointment most of the time on trade deadline day in Major League Baseball than there is good news or, or you know, or happy stories. And all I want to do is go back to the trade that was consummated on July 31st, 1997 between the St. Louis Cardinals and the always looking to trade and always having to be very careful and throw around the uh, manhole covers, nickels like manhole covers, the Oakland Athletics, always competitive though. Billy Bean does an unbelievable job, but some of the trades that Oakland has had to make over the years because they just can't afford their players after a while. On July 31st, 1997, the Cardinals send Eric Ludwig, TJ Matthews, and Blake Stein, otherwise known as Larry Moe and Curley, to the Oakland A's for one Mark McGuire. Mark McGuire goes on and hits 70 in 2002, I believe it was, as a member of the St. Louis Cardinals. And obviously he was juicing the whole time, but just remember this, folks, for all of you guys that are Yankees fans and Red Sox fans and Dodger fans this year, Cubs fans in Chicago, maybe the four remaining Brewer fans in Milwaukee, uh, remember this. Sometimes the best trades that you make on deadline day are the ones you never make. A lot of people put way too much into deadline day and they think that their world is going to be saved. And this happens on all, this happens in all sports. It, it happens in national hockey league for sure. It happens in the NBA for damn sure. NFL, not as much, not as much major league baseball. A lot of people think that their seasons are going to be saved or ultimately all happens is they get ruined after the deadline day deal. And remember this folks, There is no waiver deadline deals at the end of August this year. This is it. There's one trade deadline. So if your team, your favorite team is going to reshape their uh, roster with a big, you know, in-season trade, the last day they can do it this year is July 31st. So if your team is on that, you believe that you can catch the New York Yankees or the Los Angeles Dodgers and win and make a deep playoff playoff run, your last day to make a deal is July 31st. And again, sometimes, folks, please, if I never say anything really intelligent, believe the truth here, because it is the truth, that some of the best deals never made on deadline day are some of the best deals ever made. We welcome you. Having said all that, I wanted to get that out because that was one of the most unbelievably, you know, uh, lopsided trades that I'd ever heard of. And I remember it, and it's been now 22 years since it happened. But uh, Mark McGuire for three three hockey pucks didn't make the Oakland A's any better, and all it did was get Mark McGuire in trouble when he hit 70 dingers and he gets caught for cheating. Um, this is our Friday edition. We welcome you to the 373rd episode of Unscripted, our Free Forum Friday with... Mike and Chris, Mike Jansen, Chris Fluke with you. Chris goes on to our Twitter page, looks for interesting things to talk about. Maybe somebody's sent us a note. Maybe somebody's told somebody that I finally lost the the three remaining, you know, uh, brain cells in my head. All possibly very true. Uh, but it's a great way to end the week. 
And having said that, I hand the microphone over to the executive producer of Unscripted, Mr. Fluke. Yeah, I just wanted to say that was really impressive when Mark McGuire knocked out 70, and by that I mean 70 <laughs> counts of perjury in one day. Or 70 shots in the ass yeah, from yeah. Jose Canseco. Or you from Rafael Palmero, <laughs> of course. Oh, oh, that hurt, <laughs> Raphael. You're not supposed to put it right in my asshole. Oh, God damn, those morons. Anyway, anyway. Still a surprise that nobody picked up Rafael Palmero at the beginning oh, of the season. Boy. Well, speak, <laughs> speaking of assholes, XFL at XFL 2020. Former OU football standout Landry Jones took part in the XFL Dallas Summer Showcase and made two things very clear. He can still spin it and still has tremendous passion for the game. Okay. <laughs> XFL. You've already got an uphill battle when it comes to competing in any way, shape, or form with the National Football League. I appreciate you want to show off guys that have been in the NFL. That's great. Landry Jones is arguably or at least was, the worst player in the National Football League the last After time he Brett was there. Hunt. Well, fine. But, I mean, he was right on par with him and Geno Smith and whoever else. I mean, do you really want to be promoting? Now, what's more important? You tell me, Mike. Yeah. Do you think it's more important to just show you've got former NFLers there of any stripe? Or would it be better just to ignore that and only promote guys if you think they have any name value whatsoever? I, what I'm promoting with the XFL is opportunity. I don't care how the opportunity comes about. If Landry Drones thinks he can still spin it after all these years of mediocrity in, in Pittsburgh, more power to him. The, 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 regardless of what you've seen recently in the NBA and, and the way that the players are kind of calling the shots, agents still have a, have a place in professional sports and they will find a place to spin their top clients. Somebody out there is collecting a paycheck still to this day from Landry Jones, and they're un collecting that paycheck under the premise of finding Landry Jones a place to work. So if Landry Jones has to spin it in front of the XFL, he has, has an opportunity that he didn't have before. And obviously with the loss of the uh, AAF. AAF, that's one more opportunity for guys not to play football. So... I'm not a Landry Jones fan. I agree equivocally with Chris that he's a waste, but he's just like everybody else. He's got an opportunity. I, I think it's great when guys get an opportunity. There's more places to play. There's more places they can earn a paycheck doing what they love. I appreciate all that. But at the same time, if I'm you know banging an ugly chick on the side, I'm not promoting it. That's all I'm saying. Oh, fair enough. Okay. So, uh, Clickhole uh, tweeted here. And, of course, Clickhole is part of the onion. But Clickhole at Clickhole... I don't let my children have smartphones because th that would make it harder for me to make them believe I killed Osama bin Laden. And I'm just, I'm just wondering, it just made me think as a parent, if, uh, you know, you ever did anything to like, make your kids think you were Superman or anything like that. No, um, no, um, I'm probably more of a hard ass on my two girls than other parents are, um, especially as uh, when they were younger than they are now. My 19-year-old is will be 20 um, next Friday, and uh, we'll be with her next week as we visit her out in, in, in her new adopted hometown of Kamloops, British Columbia. We'll be out there to celebrate her 20th birthday. But um, I was probably a bit of a hard ass on my kids uh, at the beginning because I am a parent of divorce, and I see what and have seen what divorce does to a family. And so I wanted to make sure that my kids, uh, they had a good 
what I believe was a good upbringing of being fair with them, but you know, still, I'm still the parent here. And, uh, until they're 18 years old, they're dependent on me for everything. So while they're living with me, um, I probably was a bit of a hard ass, but I was doing it with their sense of well-being in mind. And I think that my girls would, I would, I would hope that they would say to you, and you've obviously met both of them. I think that if you were to ask them, at least I have, I were times that I was an asshole, no question about it, but I was also a fair one. That's good. Hey, I mean, most parents aren't an asshole enough. I think, and you know, days, so. I, I, I do have to say this in this day and age, especially raising daughters, there is so much more involved in my opinion, raising daughters than sons. Sons still go out and solve their problems when they're young teenagers by beating the crap out of each other, and then it's forgotten. Whereas girls get catty and bitchy, and it's 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 a chore. And I am so glad that my youngest one is almost out of junior high. I I think about it almost on a daily basis, but it is much more difficult, in my opinion, in this day and age, with with social media and everything that they have to deal with. It's much more difficult, I feel, raising girls than it is young men. Sure. Okay, Barry Jackson at FLA Sports Buzz. Dolphins first-rounder Christian Wilkins, famously smart with his money, doesn't even want to spend on a car just yet. He's borrowing his girlfriend's car to get to work. (laughs) You know it's going to be a long year in South FLA when they're talking about the first-round draft picks, car choices. Um I've heard this young man's a good football player. I have not seen him play. He's a great. He had an amazing interview after he got drafted. He? The kid is really smart. Good, and that's the good people that the Miami Dolphins need to draft yeah. and develop, and uh, stay with. Don't just trade him off and and uh, watch him go be a superstar somewhere else. The Dolphins should be a marquee franchise, and um, they're not. And but their location, uh, being in in South Florida. Um, being in a state-free income tax state, this should be a magnet for players to play. I mean, think about it, folks. Come on, realistically. If you're a free agent and you have the opportunity to go to Green Bay or to Miami Dolphins, besides the obvious facts of you have a chance to potentially play for division championships and make deep playoff runs versus... A, a state that you know you're you're playing football in January and you're still not having to wear a parka and you still get to practice on grass fields and you're in a in a state that does not have a state income tax. All that periphery stuff aside, which one are you going to go for? The nightlife in Miami. If you're a young 25 year old male superstar athlete, where are you going to have more fun? South Florida or Ashwaubenon, Wisconsin? Now, if you have a brain in your head. More than likely, if you're looking at opportunity, which is a huge thing, you're looking at all the other things I just mentioned, you're probably looking at South Florida, obviously. But if you want playoff money and you want playoff runs and the potential to be there to someday, because the mandate has been set there and that is what you are expected to do as a member of the Green Bay Packers, is that someday you're going to compete for a championship. You got to put a lot of things into consideration here, folks, but the Dolphins need to do a better job of cultivating and then maintaining players and getting that winning attitude back in the building. The Packers, the uh, 
the Packers expect to go to Super Bowls, and it's been a bad season when they're 10-6 and six and get eliminated in the first round of playoffs. For the Dolphins, they haven't been to the Super Bowl since the 1980s. Haven't won a Super Bowl since 1973. It's time for the Dolphins to be prevalent again, and if they can get good young men on their, on their team like this guy, they're on the right track. Okay, GMFB at GMFB. So I'll give you a few seconds to think about this because I'll give you one possible answer here. So it says, what is your favorite NFL quote of all time? And I'll give you one here, Justin Fan at JFand. <laughs> this is from a headline from an actual newspaper back in the day. Uh, Ricky Williams blames pot for his failed drug tests. <laughs> I got high and forgot I wasn't supposed to get high. <laughs> Good quote, Ricky. <laughs> anyway, what's your favorite? Is there a quote that comes to mind that a player said because it was funny or smart no. or stupid? I Yes, I, I remember the great Henry Jordan, all-pro, Hall of Fame, defensive tackle for the Packers under Coach Lombardi. And I'm dating myself, I get it, but this is still relevant to this day. Someone asked Henry Jordan after he had been traded from the Cleveland Browns organization to the Green Bay Packers, one of the first that, that uh, Coach Lombardi made, when Coach Lombardi took over as coach and general manager in 1958. But Henry Jordan, during the great run of the five championships in seven years, somebody asked Henry Jordan um, how, he was been, he, how he has been treated by Coach Lombardi. And, coach, and uh, Henry Jordan said, Coach treats us all the same, like dogs. <laughs> yeah. That was it. And I obviously, that's been 60-some years, or 50-some years, folks, because I'm... I'll be 55 in November. I remember that like it's yesterday. Um, it was prevalent because he is stating right there, Coach Lombardi has no favorites. He hates us all. He has a job there to do, which is coach us and coach us to winning championships, which obviously five times in seven years he did that. I find that as a player that's showing respect, but he's also showing what a pain in the ass it is to work for Vince Lombardi. Vince Lombardi probably would be successful today. And I'll tell you why. He'd be successful today because he'd have the respect of the players. That's why Belichick is successful today. That's why Andy Reid is successful today. The good coaches, the guys that have been around for, not the Jeff Fisher pieces of crap in the world, but the guys that have been around for a long time. I put Wade Phillips in this category too. As guys that have the respect of their, of their players, and those players will go all out for them continuously. That's why Shula was great in Miami. They've never replaced him in Miami. The Packers, to some, to some extent, have never replaced Lombardi. Five championships, seven years, pretty tough to do. Um, Belichick has the respect of his players. That's why the good ones want to go to play for the New England Patriots. Okay, I don't know if you've heard about all the stuff with the Tour de France lately, but, I mean, they had a hailstorm and a mudslide, and they had to shorten one leg, and I think now the final leg, they had to shorten it, cut it in half about. So it's making it so it's tougher for other guys to catch up to the leader because if, if you shorten a leg of the Tour de France, then all the guys can just go full bore the whole time no. because it's short enough that all of them can sure. just go fast. In, right. Right. It's, it's, the longer it is, the more then the, uh, the endurance comes into it and guys can make moves in that. Right. So anyway, so I thought this was just a timely onion tweet here. Tour de France cyclists make it past dreaded underwater stage. <laughs> you know what? I, I got to be honest. I used to, and I'm being totally honest here, I interviewed Greg LeMond okay, yeah. years ago. He had won, I think, five uh, Tour de France's back in his day, late 90s. When I was in the radio business, I had the opportunity and the honor to, to, uh, to uh, interview Greg LeMond from Sacramento, California. 
but I have lost, like I have with baseball, I have lost some respect for the game of baseball because when the game of baseball got caught by morons like Mark McGuire, Rafael Palmero, Jose Canseco, and the list goes on and on, included with head yahoos like Roger Clemens. When the cycling game got busted by Greg, LeBond, Greg LeMond and then ultimately, obviously, Lance Armstrong, I've lost a little bit of flavor for the Tour de France. I have respect for it. You can't tell me what kind of shape those guys are in to ride them bikes for as long as they do, basically a month over Europe. But I don't really, I, I have lost some of the enthusiasm for the Tour de France because you know what? They're just as bad as baseball. Yeah, there they are. Okay, more Onion stories here. Now, okay, the guys, this is The Onion. This is not a real story. Uh, clogged drain causes Orioles dugout to overflow with chewing tobacco spit. So, of course, they've they've got like a funny Photoshop thing. of the, oh, It's like knee deep yeah. that they're wading through <laughs> of chewing tobacco. But it just made me think like, who the fuck has... Have you ever tried chewing tobacco? Yes. Really? Yes. I just, I look at it and, and people look stupid when they're putting it on their lip and they're... Sp- I'm like, what is going on You know on what here? else it does? It starts... Because a lot of it... It gets put right there yeah. between your lower lip and yeah. your and your gum line, yeah. and it starts to eat away at your, you know, at yeah. your lower oh, uh, gum, and it's a disaster for your teeth. And then here's the sick part. Yes, have I tried it? Yes, I've tried Red Man, and I've rolled it up, a little pinch there between the cheek and gums, and you're spitting oh, all the time. Like oh that. yeah, I've done that. Here's the sick thing. This is really sick. I've known more than a few people that have become so accustomed to it that they can literally swallow ah, the tobacco juice. What is going on? I don't like this. That is disgusting. I knew at least five people, some former ball players, and there was a guy that, that uh, I lived with in the military years ago back in, the, in, uh, in Texas that he would, but he'd, he'd do that, uh, he wouldn't do the red man, he'd do the Copenhagen, the finer stuff, and you know, no well, difference. but that's what it is. And the, you know, the, the, you've seen the saucer thing. Yeah, I've seen yeah. the hockey pucks. Yeah. Right, the hockey pucks. You take a little pinch, huh? And he'd sit there, and then he got so accustomed <laughs> to it that he could just sit there and swallow it instead of spit ah, it. come so on. So he would, so he would go into meetings and he'd go into everything and just uh, into meetings. Oh yeah, well he could swallow it. He didn't have to, what, you know. KKK meetings? What's he, go- <laughs> what's he going to chewing tobacco? <laughs> oh, he was in the military. Oh. Military people have meetings. They allow that. You can't. You have to like shave your head, but you can't. Yeah. You can have chewing tobacco in meetings. Come on. Well, anyway, I'm okay. just telling you what I saw. Wow. Been That's telling amazing. you what is. I mean, military meeting. Military. You obviously you don't know this, but military people have meetings. All the time. Oh, that's not surprising. It's just surprising they can have chewing tobacco in them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway, okay. This one I really identified with. Another onion story here. Index finger rips into toilet paper package like vel- velociraptor claw. And I mean, that's absolutely how I, you know, that's how I open a toilet paper package. Oh, okay. You know, you get the big thing. And you're probably supposed to open yeah. it, whatever. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I just, I will oh, sit yeah. there. I will apply as much pressure if I have to. I will stab at that thing oh, yeah. until my finger gets in there. I rip it open like a caveman. <laughs> Who knows why we do that? But I'm, I I just assume I all do guys the same do that. thing. Yeah. I do the same thing. You know what I still love to this day? Hmm. Bubble wrap. Yeah, I, you know, I never had developed the... Uh, oh, I love that the, stuff. Uh, whatever, the you love for that. You want to see somebody act like a quarter, uh, an eighth of their age? Give them a roll of bubble wrap. Oh, my God, it'll entertain me for hours. Dink, 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 dink. Oh, my God. I'm not proud of that, but I do like the bubble wrap. Good. 
Oh, uh, by the way, a GBP Daily, a GBP Daily, Packers signed RB Corey Grant. So he's looked okay uh, for uh, the Jags here. Here's a, here's a, they got a really nice highlight of him here. I mean, he's not a big signing, but uh, has some potential, I think. Well, he's also got uh, four 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 three speed. Um, I'm quite excited about it. I'm a little concerned if you're Dexter Williams, their sixth round draft pick out of Notre Dame, because there was a belief right out of right after the draft that we were set at running back with Aaron Jones, Jamal Williams, and then Dexter Williams, again the sixth round draft pick out of uh, Notre Dame. But if Corey Grant can contribute to our backfield, and remember his offensive coordinator was Nathaniel Hackett in Jacksonville, who now happens to be the offensive coordinator under Matt uh, LaFleur in Green Bay. So there's some familiarity there for sure. Supposedly, Nathaniel Hackett had a lot to do with the recruiting of Grant to Green Bay. Um, But we'll see. Um, I would be a little concerned if I'm Dexter Williams. But uh, if in the right circumstances, first of all, for the right circumstances for Green Bay, Aaron Jones has to play 75% of all snaps. And I think he will. I think LaFleur said he'll play him. And and, and if he's healthy, then he's going to see 75% of all the snaps. Uh, but if Corey Grant can help us, especially with that four 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 three speed, um, maybe Dexter Williams heads the practice squad, or he goes, or he goes to Jacksonville. I don't know, but uh, I, I like that acquisition. I really do. Good. Okay, here's another onion story, but it is sports. So this guy, we laughed about how he got uh, brought back to the league last year for some reason, and now he is recently retired, and now ESPN hired him for some reason. So, of course, the onion had to make fun of ESPN by saying, ESPN impressed by Mark Sanchez's ability to point out football field. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm kind of wondering, you know, remember a couple years ago, and we were on the air uh, here at Unscripted. That was I'm, last year. Right, when ESPN fired all these people, right? Oh, I was saying when when oh sorry, I was saying when Sanchez went back to the Redskins was last year. No, he's he just got he just got hired on as a college football analyst at ESPN yeah. along with Ryan Leaf. Yeah. But here here's the thing. Year ago, ESPN fires all these guys. Trent Dilfer got fired from the ESPN primetime cast. Uh, uh, a bunch of uh, all department heads. But now what do they do? They're bringing back all these well, these pieces of literally these are pieces of crap. I don't want to listen to Ryan Leaf. I don't want to listen to Mark Sanchez. Thankfully, they'll be on a low enough games that I won't have to worry about it. But um, yeah, I mean, it's kind of funny if you're sitting here and you've been let go in the last past year by ESPN, and all of a sudden, all they're doing every day is they're making another hire by this ex retread jock. Um, Interesting times at Bristol, Connecticut, ESPN Studios, that's for damn sure. But uh, Mark Sanchez, most famous for the butt fumble. Ryan Leaf, most fire, most famous for two years in, in uh, Texas State Prison. That's great to bring on to the new staff at ESPN. Yeah, yeah, I don't know what the heck that network's doing. Okay, Darren Heitner at Darren Heitner. NFLPA has sent out a work stoppage worksheet asking NFL players to set aside half of their paycheck with a work stoppage, quote, on the horizon. Also suggests not starting new business ventures and cutting all non-mortgage debt by end of 2020. So I just wanted to say what some of these were. I'll do the top row here. So A, adjust. Adjust short-term focus and keep savings accessible. Review investments to make sure they match your risk tolerance. Tell friends and family that your help and support may be put on hold. Oh, that one probably won't go well for all the leeches. Especially with mama. All the leeches that these people know. Mm -hmm. B, budget. 
Oh, that's funny. They all start with the letter. Oh, that's hilarious. ABC for the <laughs> players. ABC Center adjust budget cut. Budget. Save. Set aside half of each paycheck. Hold off starting new business ventures. Work with your financial advisor or coach on these budget changes. And C. Cut. Cut all non-mortgage debt by the end of the 2020 season. Find ways to reward yourself that don't involve spending money. <laughs> I love that one. Postpone any new major purchases and connect with a financial advisor or coach for help. I think that the next CBA uh, agreement talks between the Players Association and the owners is going to be the most contentious oh. ever. When, when is this? Uh, end of after the 2021 season. So we got three more years before potential yeah. work stops. And that's why Dip King Dipsh, Dipshit's contract went for three more years to the end of this current collective bargaining agreement, Goodell's contract. His contract comes up at 2021. And that's when the collective bargaining agreement is, is up for renewal. And uh, I do know that Mo Smith is uh, putting in for the long haul. He's digging in. Uh, he thinks his his association, his players association group, got screwed in the last. Uh, and how how can you say that when you 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 see these guys playing for the massive amounts of money that they're playing for? But then NFL players see what the NBA players are playing for, and they feel like they're they are getting screwed. Um, I think that the next, uh, because you know. They're, the owners are talking about this 18-game schedule, and the owners are talking about 16-game, you know, players are only eligible for 16 games, and they're talking about this, and they're talking about that, and they're talking about expansion, and they're talking about, you know, international games and much more travel and longer seasons and two buys per season. There are so many things that the owners are talking about out there, and they can't do anything without players. <laughs> Think about it. I know. Can't do a goddamn thing. You can have... Jane Goodell's husband can have three teams in, in London if he really wants. But is he going to get 53-man 53 53 man rosters a, a team? They're talking about a team. They're talking about what they'd really like to see by the mid-2025s, somewhere in there, is that they'd like to see a European division in the National Football League. They'd like to see a team in London. They'd like to see a team in Berlin. They'd like to see a team in Barcelona. They'd like to see a team in Paris. Somewhere, you know, one of the bigger teams, or the bigger cities representing uh, the bigger European cities. Well, that's fine and dandy, but you're not going to have a Barcelona Dragons or a Munich uh, whatever without players. If you don't have the players on board, you ain't got shit. And I think Marie Smith is cagey enough and smart enough to realize that. And anytime your owner, you're, you're dealing with an ownership group that has members like Daniel Schneider, Jerry Jones, uh, the guy from the LA Rams, he seems to be a dipshit. Um, <laughs> um, the guy from the San Diego, excuse me, the Los Angeles Chargers, he seems to be a dipshit. Um, there seems to be a few dipshits representing his owners in the National oh, Football yeah. League. And I think Mo Smith ultimately can take advantage of all of them. Yeah, I, I really don't want to see a work stoppage, but if there, I, I hope that at least the players ask that uh, Goodell be replaced as part of the I, I think that should be the first. I think I realistically think that that should be the first thing that the Players Association asks for, that's, new leadership. That's amazing that the owners are okay with that piece of shit. Anyway, okay. Well, he's just stupid, and all he does is, he all he is is a yes man doesn't to even, him. Doesn't even feel like a real person, to be honest. Uh, busted coverage at Busted Coverage. And this is kind of a sad story here, although it looks like he deserves this to some degree. Adrian Peterson borrowed $5.2 million in 2016 oh, to pay off lenders uh, a year after throwing a wild 
Camel Python 12-foot ice bar 30th birthday party. He still lives in a seven-bedroom, 13-bath house. Lenders want to get paid now. Sounds like he's broke. He does have the new two-year deal with Washington, which is surprising since they have Darius Geis back. And if they're smart, I think... And, I, and Peterson's still okay, but I think they should really feature Darius oh, yeah. Geis in that yeah. backfield. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. and hopefully that second year is a team option. Yeah, but this is just this is just a sad story. I, I mean, just, it is, come on, It is guys. a sad story, but yet it isn't a sad story because there's a lot of people like myself that haven't been that have been out of work for quite a while and um we've had some struggles and yet um the money that adrian peterson has made over the years the people that should be embarrassed by this are the people that have been screwing him which probably are his agents and his financial advisors and his family and all his hangers on i feel bad for adrian peterson but i don't really feel that bad for adrian peterson because the 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 access to money that he has had far out numbers anybody in my life that i know and for that simple reason alone i can't feel too bad for him yeah no i totally agree with you there all right a couple more here uh fox 32 news at fox 32 news a woman wanted to keep the party party going so badly that she apparently didn't even notice the sheriff parked next to her when she allegedly pulled up to a taco bell and poured alcohol into the mouth of an employee working the drive-thru oh no can you imagine like oh no you're just driving around like life's easy blah 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 i'm just got open alcohol Whee! oh there's a taco bell employee hey have some alcohol like what are you doing <laughs> How do you get to that cops, point? And, and the, the cops, cops see there, like, oh, yeah. what? Oh, how yeah. do you how do you get to that point? Like, where you're that much of a mess? I, I don't know. I, I don't know. I I do know this, though. I know somebody that uh, um, got a second DUI and was able to get out of it because he has work responsibilities. So uh, I found that to be interesting. He got out of it because he had work responsibilities? Well, because without without being able to drive, he can't... He can't he can't uh, make a living for himself. So they let him out for the DUI. That's not how it's supposed to it's work. That's how it's supposed to work. Yeah, okay. Okay. That's all I'm saying. Oh, wow. So yeah. if the cop is a limp dick or the cop didn't, or, or, you know, or maybe the cop sat there was next in line with his mouth open for an instant shot, I don't know. But um, there are ways around that too, I guess. All right. Okay, last tweet of the day here, GBP Daily at GBP Daily. What four guys would you put on the Green Bay Packers Mount Rushmore? Wow. Um that's a great question. Um in my lifetime, I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to I'll categorize it as my lifetime. So from the 60s to present, the guys because I wouldn't, you know, I've read about Curly Lambeau. I've read about, you know, guys like that. I've re- read about George Calhoun who was instrumental in working with Curly Lambeau in putting together the Packers in 1921 or 1919, depending on, you know, what era of history you believe, uh, you know, the, the, the era transpires. But I'm going to go from 64 to present. And uh, my guys, my four would be, I've got to give tribute to the guys that saved the Green Bay Packers. And the guys that ga- saved the Green Bay Packers in my lifetime have been Ron Wolf, Reggie White, Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers, and um, well, no, let me. Let me I Ron got, Wolf as a player? Ron Wolf as a general manager. Oh, okay, I, I, I think I've I, got I. Okay, what, they, I, I would say go four players. Four players, okay, okay. Then, then the four players would be Brett Favre, Reggie White, Aaron Rodgers, and probably. 
those three and the fourth one, I think, uh, that has meant most to Green Bay Packer fans. Probably pick someone. Why don't you pick someone from the Super Bowls one and two? Well, but I, I was one year old. But that, so, that mean, was within your 90. Well, that was within I, your. But then you got to put Bart Starr. Bart Starr, Bart Starr, even till his recent death, a couple months ago, whatever it was, was still synonymous with the Green Bay Packers. He was still uh, idolized as a, as a former Packer great, not only as a coach, but as uh, but more specifically as his years of as the quarterback of the Packers. So I would have to go Brett Favre, uh, Bart Starr, Reggie White. Uh, Brett, Brett Favre, Favre and Aaron Rodgers. Why don't you Why don't you do one for non quarterbacks? How about a Green Bay Mount Rushmore for non quarterbacks, but still players? How about that in your in the Super Bowl era? All right, um, I got to go Reggie White because Reggie White signified that African American players could come to Green Bay and thrive. So I've got to have Reggie White in there. Um, I've got to have. Uh, wow, that's. Uh, I've got to have Reggie White. I've got to have Jesus. This is this is really tough because there's been so many people that have been yeah, through. Like how many are in the Hall of Fame? Uh, like I mean, well, yeah, do you, put, I mean, do you put Jerry Kramer in? Like you know what I mean? Well, do you? More importantly, do you put a player like uh, an African American player, especially in Green Bay in the '60s, who made a difference? I mean, you'd have to think. I I, I really believe that you've got to find place for Willie Davis in there because Willie Davis was a guy that left Los Angeles, came to Green Bay, and obviously at that time in the 60s, obviously a lot of racial tension in the United States. And uh, I think you'd, you know, uh, here's a guy that, how would you get a guy of that magnitude to come to Green Bay? And I think all credit has to come to Willie Davis to see big picture, but I think also a lot of the big picture has to be to Vince Lombardi to allow it to happen at that time, for damn sure. Um, Reggie White, Willie Davis... I think um, you've got to have Paul Horning in there. Paul Horning was a difference maker. Paul Horning until uh, Ladanian Domlinson finally broke his record in the early 2000s was the all-time uh, scoring leader in the National Football League for 176 points in the 1960 season or maybe 62, somewhere in there. And that kept all the way until Ladanian Tomlinson did it when his unbelievable season. Um, and I think the fourth one in there probably... Um, I'm going to have to go wide receiver there and, uh, the wide receiver that I would choose as my fourth Reggie white. Well, let's go two offense, two defense, Reggie white, Willie Davis, Paul Horning. And I'm going to go with uh, Jim Taylor. I was going to go wide receiver, but Jimmy Taylor running that famous Packer sweep. Uh, that was, that was an iconoclastic play. And, uh, this guy was a hall of famer that in 1962 ran for two, uh, ran for over, was the first guy like in green Bay history to run for over a thousand yards. So those are my four players, non quarterbacks, Reggie white, Willie Davis, Paul Horning, and Jim Taylor. Those are my four Packers. Those are pretty good. Well, cause I remember we did basically my Mount Rushmore. We didn't call it that, but Mount Rushmore of Oilers a while back, which obviously, is you know Wayne Gretzky and Mark Messier on anybody's list for sure, and then the other ones are are somewhat debatable. But uh, but yeah, I mean it's it's neat to do a Mount Rushmore of whatever your favorite team is. It's uh, it can be challenging because most people weren't around for the entirety of their team's right. you know, existence. I mean, if you're a Houston Texans fan, then it's interesting because you right. can because I mean then you've you've been there the whole time probably. Right. So that and if that's you're a Jacksonville Jaguar fan, yeah. 
you know right now that your four guys are on the roster probably right now. <laughs> yeah, much. Um, Houston, uh, Houston Texans, same thing. But when you have a team that's been around as long as the Packers and the Bears, um, you know, the Eagles, the Redskins, there's been so many players, the New York Giants, there have been so many players that have gone through those doors. It's hard just to put it down to four. And if you're a New York Giants fan, I don't care whatever list. If you have four opportunities, one of those names right off the bat is Lawrence Taylor. I don't give a damn what anybody says. Oh, yeah, of course. Lawrence Taylor. Um, Philadelphia Eagles. Who is the one player taken right now with the Philadelphia Eagles? Who would you take? For present day? I don't care. In the history of the Philadelphia Eagles, I'm going to take a guy, but you won't won't be familiar with him. But my guy would be Steve Ben Buren or Chuck Bednarik who played both ways. The last guy to play at an all-pro level, play center and middle linebacker for the 60s Philadelphia Eagles team that beat the Packers 13-10. to Um, So there's always one guy in every organization that regardless, the San Francisco 49ers, Joe Montana. I don't care what anybody says. I don't care he ended his career in in, uh, Kansas City. That wasn't his doing. So... um, I love to go through those lists, but when you have an iconic franchise that's been around for decades, like the teams we've just managed or talked about, and you include the Rams and the 49ers and teams like that, the Cardinals, people forget. People forget. The Arizona Cardinals are the oldest team in the National Football League. Wow. But because they've moved around so damn much, they were originally there in Chicago before the Bears. They were in... They were in Chicago before the Packers were in Green Bay. They were the originally the Chicago Cardinals, then moved to St. Louis, then moved to Arizona. But the oldest team in the National Football League, by days of service, is the Arizona Cardinals. And you never think about you that. You never think that. Because, no. well, now they're, you know, they're run by some college coach and they just, you know, drafted a quarterback for the number one for the first time two years in a row. You wonder what the hell they're doing. But uh, I love to go through those lists. And Reggie White, Willie Davis, Paul Horning, and Jim Taylor, that would be my four on the Packers' non-quarterback, Mount Rushmore. We've got a run on this Freeform Friday edition of our little program. End of a great week of shows. Episode number 373 of Unscripted. We'll be on another little break here, folks, as I've got to go visit my daughter. Uh, We'll be out a couple weeks. but uh, Can you go to Vegas? I don't know. Still determining that yet. I think I think what might happen is Vegas might come up here. It's been so hot oh. that they need a little break, I think, from the heat of Las Vegas. So I think that might happen, and then we'd only be gone a week. So I'll keep you in the loop for sure. Yeah, yeah. But uh, got to go visit my 20-year-old daughter out in Kamloops and some other fa- friends and family in Kelowna, British Columbia. But uh, we'll be back and uh, look forward to getting with Chris in about a week's time and uh, start talking again. We're unscripted with you out there in unscripted land, and I thank everybody for doing that and hope that you continue when we get back in a week or so. Having said all that, for the executive producer of Unscripted, Mr. Chris Fluke, I'm Mike Jansen. Until next time.